Thank you, Brother Keith. So good to be back again with you. And it is good to have our daughters with us as we're journeying to the Smokies, Lord willing. They said they heard they'd get a sermonette today and they didn't want to miss it. (laughs) Uh, No sons, but I sure love my daughters. We all four have issues in our health, and we're grateful for your prayers. Good to see each of you that had not seen the Sullivans for so long. And the Lord gave them a gift since I last saw them. So it's so good to see them. Thank you, Brother Keith. So grateful. I heard not long ago that a young preacher said we need to get rid of all these old preachers. Well, we'll get rid of our bowling balls. (laughs) We got hung up in traffic bumper to bumper for a couple of hours and we had to throw our bowling balls out of the car. (laughs) But it's so good to be here, all the members, and we ever remember pastor and family and this church and prayers. Just as a springboard verse or two, Philippians chapter 1. Thank you again, Brother Keith, for inviting me here. I have a flashback sometimes. There was a Brother Smith in Cincinnati used to visit down here. And I said, we want to hear you bring the word when you are here. And so he's gone to be with the Lord as Brother Minnie has gone to be with the Lord. But in the first chapter of Philippians, look in verse 21 for our opening. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, that is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I won't not, I know not, for I am in a strait. You ever been in a strait? We all probably got a jacket that fits us. We all have straits sometimes. There's a mental strait this dear brother Paul is telling us. Between two, number one, having a desire to depart, longing, yearning, and to be the Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. May the Lord bless and honor the reading of His precious Word. Life is filled with variety, isn't it? And life is always changing. It never remains the same. Always changing. You know, we do know someone that never changes. That's the God of heaven. For some of us, He is our heavenly Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ, same today, yesterday, and forever. But our lives are ever changing. 
Now, I don't suppose there's a one here has had a change that, that you wish it never happened. Now, wait a minute, preacher. You're more intelligent than that. We all have had some changes at times that we wish did not come, but we also know, as saints of God, know that God orders our lives. And when we look now to Second Corinthians chapter 4, beloved, Second Corinthians chapter 4, We begin reading with verse 13. Now we do have the same writer here as the Apostle Paul. He was in a prison when he wrote the letter to the Philippians. Here in 2 Corinthians, he's given us some great instruction. Notice in verse 13, we have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Watch this. For which cause we faint not. Strong contrast. Allah for the word but there. Though our outward person perish Yet the inward person is renewed day by day. We do see the italicized word in the last there, the last phrase for man. We are perishing outward, said he, but the inward person is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are being seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Verse 17, the light affliction. For a moment. Now wait a minute. Has a moment passed since you had affliction? Kind of like the man years ago. He said to the Lord, Lord, what is a second to you? Oh, it's a thousand years. He said, well, what's a penny to you? Ten thousand dollars. Lord, would you give me a penny? <laughs> well, yes, but you'll have to wait a second. <laughs> you think for a moment, a lot of affliction, Paul says, and you know the contrast, 
it's there, it's right before us, for a light affliction, which is but for a moment, compared to what? The word eternal there. Compared to eternal. Our light affliction. And we often say, we'll be glad when it's over, Lord. Well, he said, don't worry, I've got another one waiting for you. <laughs> and it's true, life is filled with them. And I heard a brother say a lot of years ago, it's like the Lord throws us into a furnace. And it purifies us. He said, now wait, he's going to take you out. But wait, he's got a hotter one waiting. And life is filled with afflictions and trials and you name it, and you all could give a testimony to it. We know. So we're not, we're, we look not at the things, verse 18, which are being seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. That is just for a moment. But the things which are not seen are e. Turn. I would turn on over right before me as a turn. Chapter 5, the thought continues there. Paul says, For we know that if our earthly house, this body in which we're living, of this tabernacle, and it's a tabernacle because, and every, every morning I thank God for this body. Because the Holy Spirit resides in it. It's His, not mine. So that's what he's saying here. Call it a tabernacle. We're dissolved or gone. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. I call this, as I had studied it and looking at closely at Paul's life and the writings here. I call this homesick for heaven. I'm sure that some of you have been homesick somewhere along the way. And you can remember the pain. I remember 1958. The Lord sent me into Illinois where my sister and her husband lived. Because he got me a job on the farm. I hated to leave. Left my family. My dear sweetheart, I love greatly. We are celebrating 66 years this month since we met. I mean years. <laughs> 63 since, years since we married. But I was homesick. I wanted to be back with my family in Kentucky. Love Kentucky. Some woman said this morning up at the restaurant there and the, talking about Kentucky and talking about us living in Illinois. I said, you coming back to Kentucky? I said, I would love that. But the Lord has other plans yet. We're leaving the church we've been with and moving back to a condo in Peoria, Illinois. But we love Kentucky and we've been homesick for Kentucky along the way. And I'm sure that you have been homesick along the way. And think of this. Homesick for heaven. 
as this world grows more wicked and evil, it might cause us to be homesick to go. And look for the Lord each day of our lives. We do not know the day nor the hour that He will come and He will give us that body, the building of God made in heaven. Not by man, He says, but get that new body, perfect body, that never will know affliction or sorrow and pain anymore. Said it's in verse one again, it's eternal in the heavens. Eternal in the heavens. Like the little boy and teacher said, All of y'all want to go to heaven, raise your hands. All of them went up to one little boy. I like that smile. <laughs> So after it was over, a teacher walked over and said, Johnny said, why didn't you raise your hand that you want to go to heaven? Don't you want to go? Oh, yes, teacher, I want to go to heaven. I thought you was getting up alone for tonight. <laughs> so we do want to go to heaven. It is the place where the Lord Jesus Christ is in love. Eternal destiny. After the Lord saved me in 1963, He gave me these words. I have traveled the road of sin and sorrow, not knowing what would hold for me tomorrow. But now that I've learned of eternity, I know what will be my eternal destiny. I read in the book that's called John how God loved me so that He gave His only Son to die on the cross that I might be free. Oh, sinner, please think of your eternal destiny. Yes, we'll be there. My eternal destiny is heaven up above, where God reigns with His angels and His love. I can see Him when I pray, and I know He awaits me there. My eternal destiny is up there. And you who know Christ as your Savior, been forgiven. That you are too. Here, here we come in verse 2, beloved. For in this we groan. In this body that we are now living in. We're groaning. It's because of the trials and the pains. That come upon us. And God is in control of each one. He's too wise to err and too loving to be unkind to any of His children. He loves. He loves. And it never changes. But we groan in this body. What desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. Again, uh, speaking of what? When He comes for us, we know we'll get a new body, glorified body. Yes, a glorified body. We'll never know pain, sorrow, sickness, no more hospitals, no more doctors, no more nurses. 
No more of those things that pull dead bodies. I preached years ago that statement that in heaven there will be none of those things. Afterward, a dear brother came to me and he said, you caused my wife to die. I mean to cry. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to. What did I say? You said there would be coming time when no more nurses were needed and she's a nurse. <laughs> she is a nurse. <laughs> so, you know, there will be no more tears in heaven. There will be no more tears in heaven. We will have that glorified body Verse 4 again, for we that are in this tabernacle, again the place where the Holy Spirit lives as children of God, the sinner not yet, the unforgiven sinner, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Oh, we stop and think, beloved, how... Precious God is, how precious His Son is, and and think of that word "no" there in verse one. Every saying of God needs that saying. We know. Now that's not a knowledge of experience. I have knowledge of a lot of experiences here. And Brother Keith has even more. That's a knowledge of experience. And some things can be conveyed and taught because of experience. But this is one without experience. We know, as a child of God, we know in our hearts that we have that building in heaven. Someone call that mansions. Now who in the world would do that? Going to go to heaven to live in a mansion? Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Many. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. It wasn't he a good carpenter? He was had a stepfather, if you will, that taught him carpentry. And he's going to do some building. And one of these days, you know, you can step out of your mansion and go down the street, come out and say, "Hello there. Let's take a walk down the street of gold." Oh, let's go over by the river. There's a tree of life there. We'll go over there for a while. That place is only the imagination in it that can even begin to lay hold just a little. And it's all based on what we've read in the Word of God. We have nothing else. Paul was privileged to be caught up there. And he listened to what went inside What did he hear? I can't tell you. He must have been so great. He couldn't relate what he had heard. But he wanted to go there. And you know, that's where he is now. 
That's where he is now. And when you, as a saint of God, goes, think of what a reunion that will be. You'll see family members that you've loved have been a great influence in your life, left a great mark on your life, will be there. You'll see your next door neighbor that was so kind to you that came to you when you were in problems and trouble and, and showed the love of Christ to you, help unto you. Think of that. And think if Jesus should come right now, how many of us would be taken out? Would there be any left here that has no relationship with the Lord? Has not said, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You say, where can I be saved? Where? You don't mark off a place. You know, I was a non-saved church member for a number of years. So was my wife. I remember well there in the mountains of Leslie County when the preacher and evangelist came to me, 11 years old, said, we hear that, you know, you've got a good name in the community and here's what you ought to do. You ought to join the church and be baptized. He said, did you know any better? No, I didn't know any better. Didn't know any better. I did that. Pastor liked me. I was 11 years old when he gave me a New Testament had my name on the front. I still have that. That was when I was 11 years old. I'm a little beyond that now. 11 years old. And the Lord showed us, my wife and me, though we were members of a church, that we were unsaved church members. Well, I thought if you had church membership, you were saved. Now, I wasn't taught that. No, I wasn't taught that. I went to work at Tremorville in Cincinnati in 1962. Worked there about four years. Guys got where they wouldn't work. They would leave. So they moved out of, out of the state. I worked at the end of the paint line. And every day I looked forward to lunch break. Because I'd go up to the head of the line and there was a Cincinnati Enquirer newspaper. He said, you mean you like to read newspaper? No. I discovered that in that newspaper every day was a question to Brother Billy Graham. And he always gave an answer. This question. The only one I remember was one the Lord pointed out for me, ordained that I read it. And that was this. I've been a member of a church all my life. I'm 70 years old. Is it possible to be a church member and be lost? And you know the answer Brother Billy Graham gave. It was the one that I needed. It is possible to be a lost church member. 
We didn't care about missing church when we were lost. We did not really love the Lord when we were lost. Saved people are to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And springing out of that comes love and care and faithfulness. And our lives change completely. Understandably so. I was sitting back here about maybe where my daughter Shannon is sitting on that night, May the 4th, 1963, just not too long after I read Billy Graham's answer. He was sitting there while the preacher was preaching, yes. I said, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart. Come. John six thirty seven. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And he that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Yeah. So what does it mean to be saved then? We're born sinners. We are born sinners. We're born with that sin nature, aren't we? We're born with it. Yeah? It takes some time through life before one begins to understand such as that and understand something of the Lord Jesus Christ and His love and understand being condemned. Yes, before I called upon the Lord, beloved, I began to think about hell. It's real. It's a lake of fire. And it burns forever and forever and forever. And I remember then how Jesus Christ came to redeem me. He is my Redeemer. What do you know about redemption? I wonder what I read in the Bible. Jesus went into the marketplace of sin. And He paid the price. There in the marketplace of sin. Shed his own blood. Having been beaten beyond recognition. Isaiah said he didn't look like a human being. Spit upon, blindfolded, slapped. All of this to pay a price to God to redeem. I love that song. You do too. I will sing of my Redeemer. Of his love. Yeah. Yeah. Who will he say? Anyone that will come. Because his arms are ever outstretched, beloved. Ever outstretched. And no one has ever been turned away. As I said, all that the power giveth me shall come to me. And he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast that. Not one has ever been nor ever will be that wants to come to the Lord Jesus. And does come. Amen. I God gets in no hurry. He works slowly. He did in my life. But He paid the price there. Redemption has three words to describe it. The first one is to enter a marketplace. With the purpose of making a purchase. 
Jesus Christ in the marketplace of sin, he paid the price. Then the second word means ex agarazo, to exit the marketplace after making the purchase. That he did. What did he do? He set me free. Free from the power of the devil. Free from sin. Oh, I still got, and I hate that old sin nature I live with every day. Even look forward the more for that glorified body. Loose. Turn loose. Free. Those three words describe what Jesus did as our Redeemer. He entered the marketplace of sin. He paid the price. And came and brought us out. He turned and lived free. Oh, the devil's still with us. He hates the people of God. And he is ever ready to tempt us to go our way and enjoy the pleasures of life and not to love him. Oh, beloved, turn to him. For the pastor, if you would come, you would come this time. It may be that indeed we will one day be rejoicing, rejoicing, my brother. Thanks, brother. Let's all stand. Brother Gordon, would you bring us a song?